Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Let's just start there, Chandler. What are your thoughts on this uh, on Brooklyn trading uh, 
Kevin Durant. We talked about this last night with Kyrie, and now KD's going too. Uh, I think we can kind of stay away from the Kyrie talk tonight, right? But what are your thoughts on the Kevin Durant trade? Well, it, I think it was a good package. Jay Crowder um, and T.J. Warren went with Durant to Phoenix, and then they got the four, the four uh, unprotected future first rounders and a pick swap and blah 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 blah. But Jay Crowder, listen, I think I just I actually, didn't. I? No, you called him Channing. Um, <laughs> uh, Channing Crowder, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, I got you. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I you know what? For a long time, I defended Durant when everybody was calling him soft when he went to Golden State and all this other that and just that in the third. And I always pushed back against that. I can no longer push back against that. Um, he took the he took the coward's way out to me. Um, you're the reason that this team got blown up because you allowed the guy who nobody wanted to come. And you said, I'm not coming unless he's coming. You allowed that guy to run the show when he had already blown up a situation on another team. And predictably, this situation got blown up. And then you said, oh, well, I can't stay now. I, I don't like it. Um, I, I think I think he took the coward's way out. And I don't want to keep hearing about, yeah, all he does is wants to hoop this, that, and the other. At some point, he has to take some responsibility for everything that happened in Brooklyn. Now, management had to take the lion's share because they kept saying, yes, there was never an adult in the room. So this is what you get. But I actually like the trade from a basketball perspective because just speaking of the Nets in the beginning, if you look at this Nets team and this roster, which everybody is now criticizing, this is an eerily similar roster to the one that they blew up to go get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. This is an eerily similar roster. You got Dinwiddie. You got uh, instead of Karis Levert, you have uh, Bridges, and um, damn, I just lost his name. Cam Johnson. Cam Johnson is a, is a walking bucket. You got Yuta Watanabe. You still have Joe Harris. You have a guy who can who's long and can play defense and Ben Simmons. You got a bean pole at center in Nick Claxton. You had the bean pole at center in in, in Jared Allen. If you actually look at this team with Dorian Finney-Smith, is a great defender. This team is very similar to the Kenny Atkinson Nets. And if you remember, that Nets team, I think, finished fourth that season and gave, yes. I think it was the Celtics, a hard way to go in the playoffs. They, they eventually lost that series because all those players were young and, and the moment got too big for them. But this is a team that I think that, depending on who they play in the first round, this is a team that could win a first-round series. Now, they winning the championship? No. Could they win a first-round series? I absolutely believe they can. So the Nets are not as far away as people would have you believe based on the fact that they don't have any stars. Well, you know what? Nobody knew Jared Allen was going to become a star until he did, okay? Nobody knew that Spencer Dinwiddie would wind up being an all-star until he did, okay? So don't tell me that what Cam Thomas can't do because he hasn't done it yet. He's only 21, all right? Don't you know? So that's the part about with, with the criticism of it. Now, from the Phoenix perspective, okay, you top heavy as all get out now, because we know Kevin Durant can't stay healthy. That's a fact. We know Chris Paul, come playoff time, invariably gets hurt. We know Devin Booker misses games. 
And we also know that Monty Williams and DeAndre Aiden don't get along. So how's that going to work out? Okay. I don't believe that this makes the Suns a championship contender. I really don't. Now, I like the fact that Kevin Durant did this quietly behind the scenes. He sat there, talked to the owner, said, listen, the only place I want to go is Phoenix. If you can't make a trade with Phoenix, fine, I'll stay. Okay, cool. Um, but when you really look at it from, from the perspective of what Phoenix gave up, to see the reason Phoenix got as far as it did the past few playoff seasons was because of the Michael Bridges and the Cam Thomases and, and, and the Jay Crowder that they gave up. Now Crowder's now in, in Milwaukee. But where's the depth in Phoenix now? Where's the depth? Where's the depth? So it's – it's, I, honestly, I believe it's a really good trade for the Nets. I don't think they're rebuilding. I think they're kind of retooling. Um, I think they're still in a prime position to go get somebody if somebody comes available. I think a, a really good player could look at that roster and like, yeah, I could win there. But their management has to get their crap together and decide if they're going to continue being just yes-men or if they're going to actually establish a culture. But overall, from a basketball perspective, I think it was a good trade for – I think it was a really good trade for Brooklyn. Yeah, you get a talent like KD and Phoenix, that's great, but I don't see how it makes you a championship contender when you're now so top-heavy. Well, so you look, you get Cam Johnson from Phoenix, and then you got Cam Thomas, the kid, the LSU kid who's uh, from the East Coast. I want to say he's a Maryland kid, Virginia kid, something like that. Uh, you know, he just dropped 40-plus for them in a game for the Nets just last week. Uh, when Cam Thomas came in the league, he had a reputation for being able to score. That's one thing that he really did a good job of in his one year in Baton Rouge at LSU, uh, playing for the American gangster Will Wade before they ran him off uh, because of the NCAA trouble there. But, you know, I, I look at this trade, and I, and I kind of think the same thing about the Nets. And here's the funny thing. If they somehow happen to win a series this this year, I'm not saying they will or won't. We've got to see how the matchups fall, right? But if they somehow manage to win a series, they will have won as many series as they won with the big three since they, they, they made these moves to bring these other guys in. So, you know, I, I look at this Brooklyn roster, and I agree with you. Whatever, you know, uh, T.P. Thomas, our head honcho, even said it. A lot of people don't want to be there anymore and all this. I get it. So whatever the issue is in the front office, uh, Brooklyn, y'all got to get that fixed uh, because you have a bunch of young guys. You have, you know, uh, some guys on the wing that can defend. And now you got four first-round draft picks. So what can you do with these picks? Can you get a difference maker, you know, through the draft? Or can you package these picks for something, you know, moving forward? That's the uh, that's the interesting piece there. But I, I agree with you. I think this team looks very similar to the team that they uh, blew up once they brought in uh, Kevin Durant and those guys. And so, to me, I don't know if it's just veterans not being happy or whatever, but to me, like, okay, Brooklyn, this is your chance to sort of reset and and retool this team. Um, as far as Phoenix goes, I 100% agree with you. 
about the depth piece. Like, okay, if you could get them all healthy and you could get – and that's a big if with these guys come playoff time. Eight, and you got Booker, you got Chris Paul, you got KD, uh, you know, whoever the, the fifth person is that they run out there that starts. Uh, you know, this team can be very, very competitive. But here's the thing, man. A lot of teams in the West did a lot to try to improve their teams over the last, oh, 72 hours, especially even more today. But this week, a lot of teams in the West are making moves uh, to try to improve their roster. And when I look at that, and I see all these different moves. I'm like, well, you don't have debt. You got what campaign coming off the bench? T.J. Uh, Warren, if he is able to get back and be healthy, you don't have any bigs. You don't have any depth inside at all. And as you just <laughs> very astutely mentioned, uh, Monty Williams and DeAndre Ayton don't get along. Uh, you know, I think Phoenix probably would have liked to have put DeAndre Ayton in this deal, right? But uh, Brooklyn didn't want him, I guess. So, you know, that wasn't a piece that went over there. So, to me, Phoenix is going to have to get creative and do some things with buyouts or if people get bought out and that kind of thing uh, to try to get some extra bodies to come in and give them some depth in the front court because this team is not very, very deep at all. And some of these other teams in the West, uh, even like a team like Sacramento, is really, really going to challenge that depth. So uh, very, very top-heavy. And two of your big four are pretty long in the two also, right? So, uh, you know, Chris Paul, close to being done. Uh, Kevin Durant is not a spring chicken anymore. And so, you know, listen, Father Time is undefeated. And uh, and I think that Father Time is going to uh, take its toll on the Phoenix Suns as they close out this season and move forward. I I can understand why you make the move and why you try. But I don't believe that this is – a move that really benefits this Suns team long-term. I think it's a short-term trade. And if you don't, if you don't win this year or next, um, you're going to be looking back at it going, I don't know if we should have made this move. Yeah. Uh, it, it is what it is, like I said, but I know that Devin Booker the past two seasons has finished the season injured. Chris Paul the past two seasons has finished the season injured. So, you know what, they they got exactly what they wanted. You got a new owner. The new owner wanted to make a splash. Okay, splash made. Now let's see what happens. Right. Now let's see the after effects. Uh, so let's, let's look at some of the other teams in the West. Uh, Golden State finally decided that the Wiseman project was done, so he gets traded to Detroit. Yep. They bring Gary Payton, too, back home after letting him go to Portland in the offseason. They make a trade and bring him back. Uh, your thoughts on what the Warriors did? 
Uh, did they do enough to legitimately contend here? No, uh, because the reality is is that Steph Curry is still hurt, and Jordan Poole, for all of the, the splash and the flash, he's all sizzle and no steak. Jordan Poole is all sizzle and no steak. Draymond is still trying to figure out if he can lead on this team based on what happened in the offseason. And not for nothing, you know what, Steve Kerr is a clown because you screwed this kid over from day one. You screwed this kid over from day one. I don't want to hear, well, you can't develop. You know what? If you can't use an agile mobile seven-footer who can shoot threes, rebound and block shots, if you can't figure out a way to give him 10 minutes a night, that's a poor job by you. You couldn't figure out a way to give James Wiseman 10 minutes a night. But Kevon Looney can get 15 minutes a night, and, and sometimes, yeah, he'll give you double-digit rebounds. Sometimes he'll give you zeros across the board. But you couldn't figure out a way to get James Wiseman 10 minutes a night. Okay. All right. So I'm glad the kid got out of there. Um, I remember I mentioned Sadiq Bay when I was talking about what, what when the next was so much trade. I told you I would have sent him to Detroit for Sadiq Bay. I like Sadiq Bay. I think he's a, he's a good player. But then they turned him into Gary Payton. Well, then why didn't you just pay Gary Payton? See, this is why right. some of these, these people all these moves. So you let Gary Payton go because you didn't want to pay him. And you turned around and gave up on a kid with all kinds of talent so that you could then trade for Gary Payton, who you're still going to pay that same amount you didn't want to pay him. How exactly right. does that make any sense? How exactly is that a great yeah, move? You know, it's, it's your mulligan, but you lose James Wiseman in the process. Who's a guy that, you know, um, has a lot more talent than he's shown there. And, I, I, you know, I'm glad he's out of there, but I kind of feel for him going to Detroit. We, we've talked about Detroit over the last uh, few weeks. they got way more talent than uh, their record and the results would uh, would look like uh, on that team. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, I think we got to talk about the Lakers a little bit. Uh, they did make some moves. I think the roster is uh, a little better than it was, you know, a week ago. We talked last night about the D'Angelo Russell trade, bringing him back, Westbrook being traded. Uh, So then today they send Thomas Bryant to – Denver to pair with Jokic, uh, with Joker, presumably maybe to give some more space for Vanderbilt in the paint. I don't know. And then you trade Patrick Beverly. He goes to like Orlando. It brings him back. Yep. Uh, Mo Bamba. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now you got. So now you got Mo Bamba, uh, who. I'll be honest with you. I gotta. I gotta familiarize myself a little bit more with him. Uh, you got him, you got D'Angelo Russell now, and then uh, Malik Beasley uh, coming in as well. Uh, do you think the Lakers, 
I'm not even going to ask you if you think they did enough to contend. I think that's a that's an obvious answer to me. But do you think this this team is any better than it was before they started making these trades? It's light years better. Light years better. First of all, Mo Bamba is right now where um, uh, Miami Heat, big man. Miami uh, Heat, big Bam man. Bam Adebayo? Yes. Bam Adebayo? He actually, yeah, he actually is where Adebayo was before he stalled out. Remember about two seasons ago, Bam Adebayo suddenly just blossomed? And it was, oh, man, he's about to take off, and you haven't really heard much from him since. That's where Mo Bamba is right now. Mo Bamba's long. He's seven foot. He's long seven foot. I mean, you have some seven foot, you have seven foot, and you got some that look like they're like 10 feet tall when they raise their arms. That's Mo Bamba. He will rebound. He will play defense. He can block shots. Uh, he can step out there and hit threes. Mo Bamba, given regular rotation minutes, should be able to give you 15 to 20 a night and 8 to 10 boards a night. Easy. That's easy money for him. So now when Anthony Davis gets hurt, and he will get hurt again, we all know this, now you still have that big, mobile, agile big man that you can run these pick and rolls with with uh, with, with LeBron. See, Mo Bamba is a poor man's Anthony Davis, except he doesn't get hurt. <laughs> he don't get hurt. When he falls to the floor, he jumps up. He ain't grimacing. He ain't grabbing for nothing. Now, you add D'Angelo Russell, who is an actual point guard and who can actually shoot and hit, hit, shoot from the outside. You add Malik Beasley. Uh, didn't they get the kid Vanderbilt, too? They got him, too, right? Yeah, they got Vanderbilt, too, yeah. Yeah. And then where did Bones Highland go? Didn't Highland go to the Lakers? Or he go somewhere else. Who is it? Bones Highland. From Denver, I thought the Lakers got him, but I'm not sure. I have to look it up. There's been I think so many he, I think, going on. I think he, I think he was the other guy. They did get another guy back in that Thomas Bryant deal, yeah, and I think that's this, who it was. Yeah, Bones Highland is a fire starter. All right, he is a fire starter. So now on your second unit, now you got Bones Highland, Mo Bamba, the kid Vanderbilt. Uh, you still got the kid. Uh, was it Troy Brown? I think his name is. Now yeah. you have depth. Now you have depth. You have an actual real starting point guard. People who can score when LeBron sits down. You have people who can score when Anthony Davis is kicking balls all over the place like he did the other night. He looked awful Tuesday night by the Anthony Davis. He looked like he was so not engaged, non-caring in that game. Yeah, Yeah, he He really did. did. it, It was terrible. It was terrible. Um. Now you can be like, oh, hey, hey, you're not you you're not feeling this tonight? Okay, Mo, go get him. You know what I'm saying? You now you have guys who actually want to be coached. You know, and you have guys who are who have high basketball IQ. Unlike, listen, Russell Westbrook is the most criticized guy I've ever seen for playing hard all the time. The problem with because only that's what we want with players, right? We want them to play hard all the time. The problem with Russ is that he plays hard all the time. He's always 100 miles an hour. And sometimes you got to throttle back, right? Mm-hmm. you got to play smart. That is the one thing Russ has never done. He's never played smart. He always plays hard. And I'm never going to fault you for playing hard, but I'm going to fault you for not playing smart. Now you have guys who can play smart. That team, as currently, if this, if this roster was the Lakers roster at the beginning of the season, 
they would be probably a five or six seed right now instead of 13th. They would be the five or six seed right now. Now, is this a team that can win a championship? Anything can happen in the playoffs. So it's possible. Like this team, I would never say, yeah, they're going to win a chip. But this is a team, depending on matchups, you could legitimately see getting to the second round, and then after that it's a crapshoot depending on who they play. So I like what, what Rob Polinka did. Rob Polinka finally made some smart trades. Um, oh, and by the way, he still has one of his future first-round picks. Well, after all of that. Right. Yeah, he still has that pick. Gave it? So when everybody's talking about, why didn't you trade both of those picks to go get Kyrie? First of all, the Nets didn't want Russell Westbrook. But second of all, that was the smartest thing he ever did because he brought in four guys, four impact guys, and you still haven't totally mortgaged your future. I, I like what the Lakers well, did. Well, and he got, he got three second-round picks in the Thomas Bryant deal, I believe. And then he was able to use one or two of those in the deal to bring back Mo Bamba. And so, yeah, you let go of Patrick Beverly. We knew that that was kind of a one-year sort of deal anyway. And I think Patrick Beverly is going to be bought out in Orlando. I think Russell Westford is going to be bought out in Utah. I think uh, so. some of these guys are going to come available. I wouldn't be surprised to see Russell Westbrook back in Staples Center playing for the Clippers. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Uh, because they don't have any depth at the point guard position with the moves that they made today. They brought in a lot of pieces, but no point guard. But I look at this Lakers team, and I'm like, the other thing about D'Angelo Russell, he is a legit point guard, but he can play off the ball, and he's long right. and athletic. He's 6'6 he's mm-hmm. or so, so he can check a shooting guard. So you can play him in the backcourt with Dennis Schroeder, right? Mm-hmm. And you still have – and you're not going to be, you know, be a defensive liability. To your point on Westbrook, I think that some of his low basketball IQ, especially younger and earlier in his career, he can make up for it with some of his athletic ability. And he still plays hard, but once again, Father Tom being undefeated, Russ is not quite as explosive as he once was, right? Like, he's still plenty athletic, but he's not quite as, like, just electric, as he was like, this is not the same uh, Russell Westbrook that I even saw in Oklahoma city in 15 and 16, right? This is, uh, you know, six, seven years takes a toll, especially when you play the way he does. Uh, It's not easy on your body. Um, So I I look at this move and I mean, listen, Palenka has made some clown trades over the last couple seasons and you know, I've talked about that in this space and other spaces already before, too, that I felt like at times he acquiesced too much to what, you know, LeBron and his and, and those players wanted. You know, you and I both mentioned, like, instead of Westbrook, you could have had Buddy Hield in a big or maybe DeRozan in another piece, uh, which, you know, probably would have made your roster a lot better and maybe not have put you in this situation in the first place. So, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. Uh, when it comes to the Lakers, I've been scratching my head for the last year and a half because, you know, Villain hates the Lakers, so we were doing crossover cafes last year. And even on college cookouts, he can't wait to get to me and say, what about your Lakers? And I repeat the same thing, flawed roster or whatever. And I'm scratching my head because they don't have a lot of assets. And so how are they going to make this work? Um, when you consider – 
the limited hand that uh, Rob Palinka had at his disposal to deal with. Like, I think that he did a pretty a, a good job today of trying to do what he could to improve this roster. Um, hey, Mike. And I know we yeah. got somebody. We got somebody from seven hundred three calling in, so I'm gonna let him in, and then you well, you can finish up your thought, and then you can bring them in. Yeah, I, I have a feeling I know who this is from the seven hundred three. Uh, but real quick, uh, yeah. So I, I think you know you. you kind of scratching your head and, and saying, you know, what are we doing? But I think he has done as much as he could to try to improve this team. And I know LeBron was upset that they didn't get Kyrie and it's like, is it me? Blah, blah, blah. Um, no, but this, these are better moves for this team than to go get a guy like Kyrie. My um, guess is, is that serious doing this tonight? You already know what time it is, gentlemen. How the hell we doing, man? I'm out and about running errands, but I wanted to pop in here and bless up my presence for me. Uh, what's up, serious man? So we're talking about uh, just have your input. I don't, I don't know uh, how much time you have, but just to kind of let you know where we've been. We're talking about the uh, trade deadline today. We kind of hit what Golden State's done. Just finished talking about the Lakers and then Kevin Durant as well. So any of that that you want to weigh in on or share your thoughts, man, uh, the floor is yours, sir. So I'm going to go ahead and start with where you guys just left off the Russell Westbrook and Los Angeles Lakers situation. I think, again, Chandler hit the nail on the head for me. I felt as though for the first time in a very long time, the Lakers made some strategical, smart moves. Um, that could potentially put them in better situations to contend in a loaded Western Conference. Let's keep in mind, gentlemen, you know, we all sat here in this very network and other places that you alluded to scratching our heads um, when the Russell Westbrook deal uh, was made because we all honestly thought that they were going to be and DeMar DeRozan. Hell, DeMar DeRozan thought that he was going to be a Los Angeles Laker, and if you listen to him talk about it, he was shocked as anybody else was uh, when he found out that they pulled the trigger on Russell Westbrook and subsequently he went to Chicago. And the thing is, I'm not going to sit here and, 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 and beat Westbrook down. Um, you know, my, 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 my case for him um, has been well done. Seriously, you're cutting out for a second. Yeah, we just lost you, so call back in. So call back in, we'll definitely get you back in. Uh, So, so Chandler, what are your thoughts on – I want to hit what a few of these other teams did, but buyouts. Do you think Russell Westbrook has a home? Do you think Patrick Beverly gets picked up somewhere? Uh, Some of these guys that are good candidates for for buyouts. Your thoughts on, on any of that? I don't see what Patrick Beverly brings to a team. Um, miss me with the spunky spark plug guy. Um, I think Patrick Beverly at this point is living off his reputation. I don't see the same Patrick Beverly. I certainly don't see a guy hit, being able to hit an open shot anymore. I certainly don't see don't see a guy who's good defensively. Um, and I'll finish that thought, but let's get serious back in here. Go ahead, serious. Sorry about that, gentlemen. Sorry about that, gentlemen. I went through a dead zone as I'm driving. But what I was going to say, honestly, was I'm not going to sit here and, and, and kick a man 
uh, in Russell Westbrook. My, my, my opinion about him has been well documented over the many years here at Sports City, but I will say this. He didn't fit the Los Angeles Lakers. He's never fit the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, and I feel as though whether he's bought out of signs with Miami, ends up in L.A. with the Clippers, um, I just didn't think that the chemistry there with LeBron James, with Anthony Davis, bringing in Darvin Ham and all that was a great fit for him. Uh, for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, he doesn't stretch the floor. He's not a consistent jump shooter. And what happens when you are a – a balls-to-the-wall, go-getter type of guy, um, you clog up the lane. That's where Anthony Davis operates. That's where LeBron James operates. That's where uh, Rui Hachimura tends to operate. That's where your big that, – that, that's where 90% of your offense operates. You had nobody to shut the floor. So when you're operating in everybody's space in everybody's area, you become a liability. Second of all, um, you're horrible from the free throw – you're horrible from the free throw line. So in game situations, you can't be counted on – the hit jumper, and third, and third, and ultimately, you're just a head case. Like it's it's your way. Um, you kind of try to accept your role as as a bench player, but you're gonna come in and you're gonna go ball to the wall. You don't let the game come to you. Um, so I honestly think that um, potentially Miami will be a great place for him. Um, because Miami needs, in my opinion, a uh, 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 inject of life. But honestly, for me, man, I, I, I think the Lakers uh, got better uh, with the trade deadline. This Kevin Durant thing, I'm going to go quick, gentlemen. This Kevin Durant thing, for me, um, I, I said this offline, it feels different. It really does feel different. Um, everybody's going to say, well, he joined up with another super team. He, he paired up with another super team. Um, let's, let's not call let, 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 let's not paint with a broad brush here, Okay. When he went to the when he went to the Golden State Warriors, he just signed there. Okay, the Golden State Warriors just beat him, and then you go team up with the team that just kicks your butt. Um, he was traded to the to, to the Phoenix Suns, um, so it, it feels significantly different. Second of all, he didn't make no bones about it. He wasn't in the press talking about F this squad, this that, and the third. He went quietly. He minded his business. He just wants to play ball. And thirdly, I think that everything around Kevin Durant got overshadowed by the drama and the cloud that is Kyrie Irving. Now, Kyrie Irving is a great basketball player, and I'll talk about him here in a second. But ultimately, I'm curious to see how Kevin Durant messes and gels and gets this Phoenix Suns team potentially over the hump as he is a guy who can take significant pressure off of Devin Booker. He's a guy that could potentially come alongside a future Hall of Famer and CP3 and try to get him over the top. Um, this Kyrie Irving thing, I didn't get a chance to talk about this as well. well this Kyrie Irving thing is hold on, before you go to Ky- wait, wait, yeah. wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Before you go to Kyrie, uh, the one thing that Chen and I did mention tonight about this trade with Kevin Durant uh, to Phoenix that jumps out to me is, you know, you have seen Booker hurt. You have seen CP3 go down ultimately in the playoffs multiple years. You got those three guys in Aiton. Uh, you got campaign coming off the bench. This team does not have very much depth right now, serious. They're going to have to get creative, I think, with buyouts or whatever else to get some some more big bodies to come in there. So this is a very, very uh, top-heavy team without a lot of depth. And, in a, and you just said it, a loaded Western Conference, because a lot of teams in the West tried to really improve themselves, right? Like in this, at this trade deadline, I wonder if that depth or that lack thereof 
is really going to be what hurts this Phoenix team. I don't think it is, to be honest with you. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, the Western Conference is, is, is going to be a grind. But here's the thing. Kevin Durant and, and Devin Booker are walking buckets, okay? And if you have a situation where you can, i.e., I, like Golden State, where you can get up, give the man the ball, get out the way, go get you a bucket, all you need is guys that can fit roles, okay? Cameron Payne, when he gets back healthy, can fill a role. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's a backup point guard. He can do some things. They're going to do some things creatively with buyouts, and they do got some guys on that bench. But I think for the first time in a very, very long time, Kevin Durant is with a coach and a system that is all about basketball and all about just trying to play ball. And I think it's, it's a nice change of pace from the circus that he was in in, in, in Brooklyn. Now, again, injuries are, hap- injuries are going to happen. It's, it's part of the game. But I, I think a lot of the reason why Devin Booker and CP3 got hurt is because they had to shoulder a lot of the load. And so you can you can take a day off. You can, you know, not go balls to the wall. You, you can beat each other. You can do different things. Like, at the end of the day, who are you going to guard? Like, you can't load up defenses to stop Devin Booker now because KD is going to walk in the gym and, and hit you for 45. You can't load up against Kevin Durant because Devin Booker is going to hit you for 45. CP3 can, 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 can do his thing. So I, I think this Phoenix Suns team is going to be a lot, a, a lot of fun to watch the second half of the basketball season just because of the unknown. You know what I'm saying? And the same could be said, honestly, for the Dallas Mavericks because, again, at the end of the day, whether you like, whether you like Kyrie, whether you hate him, that dude is also a walking bucket. You know what I'm saying? And I haven't seen a place, again, we may get to this later, but I haven't seen a place where Kyrie has went that has ended, you know, without a blow-up, without a lot of a lot of stuff happening. You know what I'm saying? He, he, wanted out of, he, he wanted out of LeBron James' shadow in Cleveland. He goes to Boston. Boston, you know, is Boston, so we understand how that went. So he leaves Boston, goes to Brooklyn. Brooklyn is supposed to be this massive super team, and then all of a sudden the vaccine happened and, you know, the anti-Semitic post happened. I mean, and, and he, 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 you know, the, he leaves. Um, I'm curious to see how this Mark Cuban thing and Kyrie thing works itself out. Yeah, it should be interesting. So the, so the Clippers made some moves today. The Clippers made some moves today. Didn't bring back a point guard, but brought some other pieces. Did either one of you see what the Clippers did at all? Yeah, they got Eric Gordon. The clowns. Yes, I. The Clippers. The Clippers are clowns. They're clowns. I'm sorry. They're clowns. Um, I don't know who, who's running that front office, but he should be fired immediately. Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon has never contributed to winning on in any situation he's been in. What he has contributed he to the floor, is please. chaos. He's contributed to chaos. Um, he's complained everywhere he's been. He's sulked everywhere he's been. He hasn't wanted to be a veteran. He was on a team in Houston with all of that young talent, right? He could have elevated his status and his stature in his game, be a leader, be a professional, teach these guys how to be professionals. Instead, you mad because you ain't getting enough shots. That's the story of Eric Gordon's life. He's mad because he ain't getting enough shots. Everywhere wasn't he's been. Eric Gordon, wasn't he on part of the Clippers deal that went to New Orleans 
that brought Chris Paul? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This dude, listen, I don't know what the Clippers are doing. Now, you got rid of John Wall, which, honestly, I don't think John Wall fit because I think they wanted him to be the old John Wall, and he's not that guy anymore. He should have been coming off the bench, and they had him starting. John Wall should not be your starting point guard right now. Shouldn't be. Man been off almost two years. He shouldn't be a starting point guard. Now, you want to let him come off the bench, be a, a spark plug, kind of like what the Knicks did with Derrick Rose before they buried him? Yes. He, John Wall shouldn't be a starting point guard. So now you still don't have a starting point guard. You only got three more forwards. What does that do? Well, who's the point guard? The best point guard in the Clippers is Ty Lue. So I don't understand it. I really don't. Anybody still there? Hello? Yeah, my bad. I'm in the middle of moving around. I put myself on mute. No, no, you good. I was talking on mute. Uh, you, you got any thoughts on the uh, on the Clippers series before we move on to the next squad we're going to cover here? Okay, I think he's moving, so he's got himself on mute. So um, yeah. we'll wait for a second on that. So Denver makes a move to go get Thomas Bryant from the Lakers to give kind of a post guy inside, sort of a high-low, I guess, sort of with uh, with Joker to go along with, you know, Jamal Murray and to go along with, you know, Michael Porter Jr. when he's out there. Uh, you know, a lot of people are talking about Denver being the favorite in the Western Conference. Uh, I'm not sure what other moves they made today. There's so many moves today, it's hard to keep up with them after full work day. Um, any thoughts on what Denver did or if you would consider Denver still a serious contender in the Western Conference? My problem with Denver is Mike Malone um, – is still the coach. Mike Malone is still the coach. And one of the things that I've noticed about his teams is they have a tendency to choke. They have a tendency to choke, man. Think about some of the squads that he's had there in Denver, and they've underachieved. And honestly, I Thomas Bryant, that's your big move? Thomas Bryant is your big move. Okay. You know, Thomas Bryant is not – first of all, Thomas Bryant is not a starter. He's a bench guy. So the whole wall, he can he can do high-low with, with the Joker. I don't see it. I don't think they got any better. I don't think they got any worse. Honestly, I think they got a little worse because I think they're going to miss Bones Highland more than they think they will. I don't know what happened with him and uh, Mike Malone, where Mike Malone kind of buried him in the doghouse, but – Sometimes taking certain guys away from teams, you don't realize how much they contribute with their energy, their their infectiousness, their personality, their spirit. I think they're going to miss Bones Highland way more than Thomas Bryant is going to help them. So to me, that's a meh move. So one team that you and I have talked about um, repeatedly, Chandler. Oh, before I forget about this, and – Sirius may be with us still, so I, I want to hear his yes, thoughts on Golden State. Okay. 
I want to hear your thoughts on Golden State in just a second, but I, I just wanted to, to get this out because Chandler made this comment about Jordan Poole earlier. And I wanted to say, Chandler, I 100% agree with you. I actually uh, got got roasted in a couple spaces because I said, you know, he had a good D League or whatever, G League they call it now, uh, and played well. And, you know, he kind of grew into this organization. It was good. But I was like, I, I think that – if Jordan Poole were in another situation on another team, uh, he's the best a role player. Uh, is that uh, I, I think that he's not quite what he thinks he is. Uh, so Gary Payton comes back to Golden State serious. Uh, we talked about them getting, uh, you know, finally cutting the cord on the Wiseman experiment and sending him to Detroit. Do you think the Warriors got any better? And then what are your thoughts on uh, what Golden State did uh, at the deadline? You know what, honestly, I think the Warriors really did get better because at the end of the day, um, bring back somebody who's very, very much familiar. You move on from a guy who really wasn't helping your ball club as much, um, and you really didn't lose too much of your depth. You still got D.J. Chenzo there. Um, you still got Jordan Poole there. Um, you still got, obviously, your, your nucleus that's there. Um, so I honestly feel as though – Steve Current and those guys uh, really didn't hurt themselves. Now, again, the thing that's going to kill the Warriors um, is just health and availability, if you will. Um, I think Gary Payton's been hurt pretty much all year, and obviously, as you can see, Steph Curry's hurt. Um, and so if the Warriors are able to be healthy and stay healthy, um, they're, they're going to make it a significant run. Um, but I do love what the Warriors did today, Um and, again, I think they may be another team that may be uh, looking to buy some, 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 some help um, in the buyout uh, pool based off of how some of these other guys shake out. I, I don't, again, we, we talked about it. I don't see Russell Westbrook. I don't see John Wall. I don't see a bunch of these guys that got just traded and thrown in the deals as, as staying there. Um, I do think they need to probably address some other issues, but right now I love putting Gary Payton back. Um, and again, I love the fact that um, they moved off a of wise man and they, they can wash your hands in that situation. See, serious, sure. I got to disagree with you there because here's the thing a mobile, agile, talented big man who can rebound, block shots, and also shoot from the outside. And Steve Kerr couldn't figure out a way to give him 10 minutes a game. He couldn't figure out a way to give him 10 minutes a game. He couldn't figure that so, out. No, hold on, hold on, hold on. Now, hold on, hold on a second. Now, Gary Payton, you didn't want to pay him, which is why he wound up in Portland, because you didn't want to pay him. Right? You didn't want to pay him. So you give up on a young, agile, mobile big man. Oh, by the way, Kevon Looney, maybe every four games, gives you 10 points. You give him 20 minutes a game, but you couldn't give James Wiseman 10. You didn't want to pay Gary Payton, so you trade James Wiseman for Gary Payton, who you now have to pay, the guy you didn't want to pay in the beginning. So exactly how does that make sense? And now you have to go out, and you know what they're going to look for? A mobile, agile big man that they can give 10 minutes a night. See, and so how does that make sense? Here's my retort to that. If you look at how the Golden State Warriors play, okay, Kavon, you, you don't need Kavon Looney to give you 
25 minutes or whatever. Okay, because you don't need James Watson to give you 25 minutes. You need him to give you five minutes. And here's the thing. You still got Looney that's on the roster that can that can do some stuff for you. Um, Draymond Green plays five a lot of times anyway, and you bring in a guy who knows the system like for, for, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, it wasn't working out in Portland. It wasn't working out in Portland. Okay, so whether they wanted to pay him this off season or whatever the case may be, it didn't work. So he's back home. He's back familiar. He knows the system. He his key cards should still work. You feel me? So that familiarity helps. And you got to understand something about the Golden State Warriors. And I don't have to explain it to you guys. When the Warriors are on their game and doing their thing, it's about the camaraderie. It's about the brotherhood. It's about working what fits. Gary Payton, Gary Payton Jr., he knows that. So, again, I'm not expecting them to go out and get another big man because, in my opinion, they don't, they don't really need one because they was not given Wiseman minutes anyway. You know what I'm saying? Looney's going to do what he has to do. Jamal Looney's going to step up and play the five. You know, Gary Payton Jr. is going to come in and do what he does and, 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 and do stuff with DiVincenzo and Poole and everything the case may be, and they're going to probably capitalize and they can run later in a year. Again, this is chess, not checkers. I think that I think at the end of the day, the Golden State Warriors made a smart move moving on from Wiseman, who again Steve Kerr couldn't figure out what to do with, whether he was hurt, whether he was moving up and down in the in the, in the you know developmental league or whatever the hell they want to call it. He never did get many minutes because for whatever reason he didn't do whatever he needed to do. So move on. Bring somebody back who knows what the hell he's doing in your system, who couldn't catch on with, with Portland, and do what he needs to do in Portland, and then see what moves. It's, it's going to be fun to watch. You don't give up on talent that easily. You don't give up on talent that quickly. You don't. And not for nothing, you could have signed Gary Payton and kept James Wiseman. Like I said, if you can figure out a way to give Kevon Looney, who most of the time gives you nothing, okay, if you could figure out a way to give him minutes, then don't tell me that you couldn't figure out a way to give James Wiseman minutes. Steve Kerr screwed this up. He did. He screwed it up. Now, I'm glad for Wiseman he's gone. But Steve Kerr don't get to get a pass on this. Because here's the other piece. If you weren't ever going to use him and you know Steve, when they drafted James Wiseman, one of the things I said was Steve Kerr don't know how to use him. He don't know how to use him. Steve Kerr ain't never developed a young player. Now, he'll, he'll, he can develop some marginal player, but a guy with actual, a, a young player with talent, they ain't never had that there with Steve Kerr's there. So he don't know what to do with him. You understand what I'm saying? They could have taken that pick that they used on Wiseman and traded it, but instead you wasted a pick on, on you wasted the pick, and then you got rid of the talented player. So now in two seasons, when Wiseman is balling, right, and 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 Kevon Looney's still giving you nothing, and Kaminga has hit his ceiling, which he's already at his ceiling. You don't think I'm saying, man, we need a guy like Wiseman? You already had him. So let me ask you this question: If you, if, 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 if you can't figure out how to use Wiseman, you got Looney, Kaminga, Draymond Green. Why keep Wiseman when you can flip him and bring somebody into your organization that you already know? Because Draymond's that, not going to be there that, next that, year. That's already proven. Because Draymond's not going to be there next year. 
Draymond's not going to be there next year. We, listen, just everybody need to make peace with that. Draymond ain't coming back because they're not going to pay him. So he's not going to be there next year. Looney probably will not be there next year. What I'm saying is you got to think long-term and short-term. If you, you, even if you just stick him in the, in the damn G League for the rest of the season, you don't give up on him. And they could have got Gary Payton Jr. back because here's the thing. Wiseman wound up in Detroit. Portland got five second-round picks. They got Sadiq Bay and, and, and second-rounders for uh, Gary Payton Jr., which means that you could have sent somebody else to Detroit, okay, and still got Sadiq Bay and then flipped him to Portland and still got Gary Payton Jr. But like I said, I'm glad Wiseman's out of Golden State because on this, this one here, I'm, I'm laying in Steve Kerr's feet. You screwed this up. You screwed this up. And at the end of the day, yes, I, look, I like Gary Payton Jr., but that don't make them any better because here's the piece. If Steph Curry ain't playing, that team is trash. Let's be honest. No, I like the reaction. Jordan Poole's I, I, Go ahead, bro. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. I like that we have different opinions. I, I think that's what uh, – uh, makes things interesting. I, I, one of the things that, that really jump out to me, uh, I said this earlier in the weekend, if you look at the Western Conference, four verse, through 13 are separated by about four games, three or four games. Like, everybody's that closely packed. And I think that that's one of the reasons why so many teams in the West made plays to try to get better, right? So, um, so looking at that, like who helped themselves the most, who didn't do enough, I, I, I want to hear you guys' answer on that. But I want to flip back to the Eastern Conference for a minute. We talked about Brooklyn for a second. But to me, I think the only team that really did a lot to improve their standing in the Eastern Conference uh, was Milwaukee, and it's it's a uh, it's a it's a small trade, it's a uh, a small move, but Jay Crowder is a three and D guy. He plays good defense. I think he fits with what that team uh, really likes to do, and I think that does that does improve Milwaukee. Um, I'm curious to hear you guys' thoughts on that. Or did anybody in the East do anything that steps that that jumps out at you guys is improving themselves. Go ahead, serious. The East, honestly, other than Milwaukee getting Jay Crowder, I mean, nothing really stood out to me. Um, the Knicks further with a couple teams, obviously the, the 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 Nets, you know, you know, doing what they did, getting Dead Woody back, and and all that sort of stuff. Um, I think honestly. It's TBD for me because I honestly think that the Heat are going to be in the buyout market. Um, I think a couple other of these teams that really didn't make a lot of big splashes, the Toronto Raptors, um, in my opinion, may be in the buyout market and, and, and looking to, 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 to do some things and free up some guys. Um, but the, honestly, the, the, the trade deadline headlines, if you will, um, was pretty much, in my opinion, dominated by what happened out west. But, again, that, that's not begrudging the East. Uh, the issues didn't make too many moves that that really, you know, raised my skirt up, if you will. Yeah, I'm. No, I think the skirt. Nets. Yeah, yeah, I think the Nets did the uh, did the best out of any team in the East. 
like I said, right now, I think that team, the team they have right now, looks a lot like the Kenny Atkinson Nets team, and that team played hard and won games and, and was going to give you fits in the playoffs. Um, the Knicks just screwed this up seven ways a Sunday. Um, <laughs> again, you give up on the talented young big, um, and you give away a first-round pick, along with the pick that you gave away to get him. So, screw, you know, they, they just screwed the pooch there. The Jay Crowder thing is just mad. He's by, he's replacing Bobby Portis, who can't, who's hurt this season for whatever Bobby Portis just can't stay healthy right now. But I don't, you know what? I've never been a huge Jay Crowder guy, um, so I've never really been impressed with with his game. I think he'll fit well in Milwaukee, but I don't see him as being a difference maker there. Uh, Cleveland did nothing, but I don't think Cleveland needed to. I think you let that young nucleus grow. The Sixers kind of just shuffled the deck chairs. You know, um, nobody really nobody really did anything in the East, man. I mean, the team that failed the most was Chicago. Why do you, Why is Zach Levine still in Chicago? Now, I'm not a Zach Levine guy. I think Zach Levine is a selfish guy who's only concerned with his numbers. But you had people willing to give you stuff, good stuff, good picks, all that stuff, to get him. Why is, why is he still there? What are you doing, Chicago? Um, you had people willing to give you stuff for Vucevic. Move on from him. Chicago needs to blow it up. And Toronto, Yaka Pirtle, Yaka Pirtle. When you right, start talking right. centers in basketball, right, you got to go through like 30 names before you even think of Yaka Pirtle. And that's your big move, Toronto? Yaka Pearl's your big move. Man, yeah, I, I'm not impressed at all with what these teams in the East did. I don't know what they was thinking. And Masai, listen, you overplayed your hand, bro. You overplayed your hand. You could have got rid of Fred. You could have got Pete, you know what I'm saying, and you could have restocked the cupboard. And I don't know what Masai's thinking because if Yaka Pearl's your big move, you ain't make a move. Well, Fred Van, and seriously, I'm going to come to you and hear you take in a second. You could have gotten some pieces from Fred Van Fleet. There's another guy in Toronto, uh, defensive guy. I'm not even going to try to say the guy's last name because I uh, <laughs> I haven't heard it pronounced in a long time. Uh, so I don't want to butcher it, but you guys knew who I'm talking about. Uh, the <laughs> I just can't call his name right, so I'm not even going to try. Uh, OG? So, OG Adenobi? Yeah, that guy. Yeah, that guy. There was a lot yeah, of talk there. about a lot a lot of teams being willing to give up a lot uh, for him, uh, but they didn't move him. So to me, it, it it presents some very interesting questions in the off season because they're also going to probably have to extend uh, Scotty Barnes. Um, you know, what are they going to do there? So presents that. And then the other team that sort of caused me to raise my eyebrow a little bit is the Wizards. You know, they got Kuzma, they got, Porzingis, maybe you could have got some pieces for them with their contracts being up. Maybe you're hoping that you can re-sign both of them uh, in the offseason, but if you can't, it's really going to leave the Wizards uh, behind the bullet, so to speak. See what I did there with the old mascot? Uh, but I, uh, I'm just a lot of these teams in the Eastern Conference leave me scratching my head. Yeah, like I said, I don't understand. And the Bullets, a, a wizard. Damn, now see, you got to be saying Bullets. The Wizards, <laughs> um, I don't, again, there's another front office that should all be fired right now. 
Like they should all be getting escorted out of the building. You know, say no, you can't get no, you can't get nothing out your office. We'll ship it to you. Get out, right? That's what needs to happen there. Because he said, well, what are you doing? You. <laughs> Leave all your stuff. We'll call you. We'll call you your. We'll call you your pictures, man. We'll find out your pictures. <laughs> I mean, what are you doing? What are you doing? It's like the the the, the wizards are on that treadmill of mediocrity. They're just good enough to make you think, man, if they just made a couple moves, but they're just bad enough that you're like, what the hell are you doing? Why did you go get him? Right, right. You know, I mean, you gave up Rui. Okay, fine. And you really got nothing for him. Okay. Um, you could have moved Kuzma because you want to give Kyle Kuzma more run because they don't need Kyle Kuzma. They don't from the bag this yeah. summer. They don't, they don't get from the bag yeah. this, this summer. Exactly, and why? Why would you do that? He's not a difference maker at all. Yeah. Now, can he be a good piece on a contender? Yes, I say a seventh, sixth, seventh man. Absolutely. As a starter, you're you're in the play in at best with him. It's. Uh, yeah, I never I understood. Know. I heard a lot of Lakers fans. I heard a lot of Lakers fans lamenting the loss of Kyle Kuzma when they didn't, when you know, when they traded him. Like I said, I I don't think that Westbrook was the right trade, but at the same time, I don't think that, uh, you know, I don't think that Kuz is everything that everybody cracked him up to be either, right? Uh, Sirius, your thoughts on uh, on the Eastern Conference or anything else regarding the trade deadline? I, the other thing that I said real quick uh, before you came on, Sirius, is. I've never seen a trade deadline like this, man. This is, and Charles Barkley called it a few weeks ago. But 28 teams made some kind of move. Only two didn't, you know, didn't do anything. Uh, but your thoughts on the East, and any other thoughts on the uh, trade deadline that you want to throw out there? You know, honestly, for me, uh, the, the East is going to be funny to watch. You know, I mean, I just got done uh, listening all before I called to, to this Orlando Magic. You know. Denver Nuggets situation, and, you know, they, they were a team that made some moves uh, at the trade deadline, so it's going to be curious to see how they look um, going forward. Um, again, the Washington Wizards, are, again, they need to blow that stuff up. They need to blow that up. That, that's going to be wild watching what Washington does, um, especially as it pertains to this offseason. But I, I definitely agree with you. You know, this, this trade deadline has been um, – something wild, you know. I mean, I, I liken it to, you know, the, the football side of things when you, you're looking at free agency and league year and who signs where and all of that type of stuff, man. It's, it's going to be fun to see uh, ultimately how everything plays out. And, again, I, I still think, you know, in order for us to actually understand the, the magnitude of this trade deadline, we need to wait till the dust is settled. Um, with, with buyouts and this kind of third I definitely think, you know, Russell Westbrook being in Miami is going to make them a squad. The Houston Rockets just waived John Wall, so, you know, he, he may go somewhere and bolster somebody's bench. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it's comical to see, um, you know, what else happened. I think, I think the Morris, one of the Morris twins, you know, got moved out. I don't foresee him staying there either. 
Um, so maybe he goes somewhere and again bosses somebody's bench. The the Boston Celtics were were were, were making moves and doing some things. So I mean, again, it, it's going to be fun to see how everything plays out. Um, but ultimately, man, this trade deadline was one for the books, and I, I, I'm so thankful. You know, you know, this this is Super Bowl weekend. You know, I've, I've been sitting here for almost 45 minutes or so, and I didn't, I didn't mention football once. You know, yeah. you know what? You know, it's crazy. You know, it's crazy. Go ahead, you you first. No, go ahead, Mike. I'll, I'll I'll go after you. Go ahead. No, no, no. I want you to get. I, I don't want you to lose your thought. Go ahead. You first. Well, yeah, you know I got brain damage. Uh, <laughs> um, John Wall. Do you know what John Wall fits in Phoenix? He fits in Phoenix. Because John Wall is a bench player at this stage of his career. He is a guy who was always a willing passer. He couldn't be when he was in D.C. because they needed him to score. But John Wall was a guy who could, you know, when John Wall was John Wall, John Wall was giving you 10, 12 assists a game. Um, He still can get up and down the court really fast. You bring him off the bench as Chris Paul's backup, I like that. Now, if Chris Paul's a little dinged up, you got to give John a little more minutes. Again, with Durant and Booker, you're not counting on John to score, but John can still break down the defense. Now, John's breaking down defense because he's banging up and down the court because he's still, he's still faster than most of these young cats. And now he's kicking out the Booker, kicking out the KD, dropping it off DeAndre Ayton. I think John Wall fits perfectly, honestly, in um, Phoenix – the only reason I like Russ in Miami is because Russ fits that Miami mentality. They angry in Miami. They all angry. You know what I'm saying? That's a team full of angry dudes, man. The owner's angry. Pat Riley's angry. The coach is angry. You got Udonis Haslam always looking to fight. So he's 75 years old, still looking to fight people. Um, <laughs> Russ fits. Does he help them? I have no clue. But he fits that. Think about their mentality and think about Russ. That is a marriage made in heaven. You know what I'm saying? Him and Jimmy well, Butler, let, they can be punching. They can be punching people in the face every game. They punch somebody in the face every game. Him and Jimmy Butler, they punch somebody in the face. <laughs> the funny, the funny thing is, and serious, I want to hear your 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 responses. But the interesting thing is to me, I I think John Wall, even though they let him go, and so it's not going to happen, but he fits in. The Clippers need point guards. That they don't have a backup point guard anymore, really. Uh, and so I think that's where you could see Westbrook there as well. When you look at the other pieces on that team, uh, he can be on the ball. He can try to distribute to other people, uh, and he could fit. He could fit that Clippers franchise too. I think uh, PG three doesn't have to be on the ball. Kawhi doesn't have to be on the ball. Well, see here. Here, here here's my retort to that. You know, I'm going to address the the, the Phoenix Suns thing first, and then I'll I'll go to what you said. I don't don't foresee Cameron Payne, you know, losing minutes to to, to John Wall. I I, I just can't see it. Um, And, you know, maybe I'm just delusional, um, but – the the reason why John Wall wasn't playing in L.A. is because, once again, it's health. You know what I'm saying? You 
you know, the, 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 the number one thing that we say when it comes to sports is you, you can't help the club from inside the tub. So at the end of the day, you know, John Wall being in a situation where he is the immediate backup hurts the team rather than helps it. Now, with Russell Westbrook going to, to Miami, my, my, my thing is this, and again, Chandler is, is spot on. Like that whole team is angry. Tyler Hero angry. Ben Matabayu angry. Autumn Brothers is angry. But I will say this: the style of basketball that the the Miami Heat tend to play, I feel as though they need somebody like a Russell Westbrook that will inject some life and speed into that into that into that roster. First and foremost, Kyle Lowry. I haven't been a fan of him for a while. All he's good as far as taking charges. But he he slows the pace down, and he doesn't move up and down the floor. And if you put Russell Westbrook in that particular system with, with, with a team that is not going to take any more nonsense, he's not going to bully and try to talk smack to Eric Spolstra and Pat Riley. They, 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 they will break him off and tell him where to go and how to get there. I think the biggest issue with Russell Westbrook, in my opinion, is that he was always put in situations with, with, with coaches and organizations and GMs that he did not respect and that didn't command that he shut the F up and pay attention and do what I'm telling you. You ain't doing that in Miami. Plus, you get a chance to, 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 to play with a contender and, and, and help them make moves in the playoffs. Like, he was always out west. He went to the Los Angeles Lakers. They, they, we, we all knew they wasn't going to win nothing. He was in Houston. You know, my squad, he wasn't going to win nothing in Houston. He was in OKC for a while. We knew they wasn't going to win nothing. But the the, the, the common yeah, there, close, he was in Washington. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he did get close to Houston. But, OKC, and they had a 3-1 right, lead but again, right before he left. Uh, right, but again, at the end of the day, he was always playing with coaches and, and GMs that did not command that respect. And I think if you sit if, – if, if Utah buys him out, which I, we all think that's going to happen, and he goes and sits down with Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra, I think that would be the best place for him. You're not, you're not going to need him to score. You know, Jimmy Butler can do that. Tyler Hero can do that. Like, Van Montabaya can do that. You're not going to need him to score. What you're going to need him to do is inject some speed and some life into an organization that, again, I, I think that's going to work out for him. Two things I really wanted to uh, say real quick, uh, Chandler, just to just, – uh, Throw a little shine your way. The other night I was doing uh, NFL free for all. Stepped in for uh, serious, and we, Chandler and I were, uh, sorry, Bill and I were talking about different things. And there was at least three or four people over the course of that show that I said these guys are clowns. And I'm like, you could tell I've been doing shows with Chandler, <laughs> you know, calling people clowns. So. Uh, respect to you, real quick. Nine two nine four seven seven two seven five nine is the calling number. We are here with you for the next uh, 18 minutes or so um, tonight. So feel free to call and get your takes in. Uh, you know, you said something a minute ago, Sirius, that really jumped out to me. 
with the timing of this trade deadline and the way this really fell, this is huge for the National Basketball Association in that, you know, this is Super Bowl week, and there's a lot of uh, attention on the Super Bowl, and a lot of us are excited for that game coming up in, you know, in about 72 hours now. We will be starting the second half as long as the halftime show usually is. No, we should be about midway through the uh, – almost through the third quarter by now. Um, in 72 hours, but looking at, you know, the, the the attention of the sports world was even diverted from the NFL over this, this last 24 hours um, because of all this action in the NBA. And I think this is really good for the ratings and for the association, to be quite honest with you. Um, and so you mentioned that earlier, and I just wanted to, uh, I wanted to kind of double click on that real quick uh, before we moved on. Anybody else got any other basketball take or any other thing you want to throw out on? Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah, the, yeah. We, the got, we got plenty of time for basketball. Yeah, we are. We got all the time in the world for basketball. Because um, y'all gonna talk football the rest of this freaking week, so I ain't trying to hear y'all right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and and, and you know what? I, I'm gonna keep beating this drum. There's a guy playing for. Oh man, I, I lost the team. Bowl Bowl. Remember Bowl Bowl? And how he kind of didn't get used in Denver and, and, and whatnot, and now he's starting to blossom. Now he's starting to blossom. That's where I see what's going to happen with James Wiseman. Um, he's somewhere now where they're going to let him play and play through, play through some mistakes and those other things. Also, Dwayne Casey needs to get fired because there is way too much damn talent in Detroit for that team to be so god-awful on the fundamentals. I can understand that your team is losing, but they are fundamentally unsound. And that is not a hallmark of a Dwayne Casey coach team. Dwayne, I don't know if they're just not listening to you or if you just don't care anymore, but you got to go, bro. You got to go. Um, I like the fact that that because, uh, yeah, Wall's going to get bought out. Russ is going to get bought out. There's quite a few guys on that, on that thing, like the Patrick Beverly thing. Who the hell really wants Patrick Beverly at this stage of the game? I don't see anybody wants him, you know. Um, this, this, it, it, and people keep saying my Seth Curry. Now Seth Curry is an interesting name for me. I think the Nets should keep him, personally, because again, I think the Nets can make the second round with the team as presently kind. They beat the Bulls tonight, and they shouldn't have. And uh, uh, on it, the two guys from Phoenix didn't even play, and I totally forgot the names. One is Cam somebody. Michael Bridges and Cam, whichever Cam that was. Cam Johnson. Cam Johnson. Thank you. Cam Johnson. Yeah, I'm about to say Cam Cameron. You know, Cam Hayward. <laughs> I don't know, Cam somebody. Uh, they didn't even play. Yudawan Nabi, underrated, doesn't get a lot of shine. That team is going to be good in Brooklyn, but I like what Oklahoma City is doing. The West is crazy. You know, one of the t- and, and a team that made a move, and, 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 and it's, a, it's a mad move, but Sacramento, Sacramento is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Everybody keeps overlooking them when they talk about the power structure in the West because it's the Kings. That team is really, really good. That team is really, yeah, really good. Yeah, we've talked about you know, and I a couple times over the last couple of weeks, and that, yeah. that was actually the next question I was going to ask you because I know you pay a lot of attention to them recently. What did they do at the deadline today? 
they didn't do much. It was kind of a la- some lateral moves that they made. Give me one second. But, you know, the, the, the Sacramento, Sacramento Kings, here we go. Um, what did they do today? Give me two seconds here. They're looking at, well, they were looking at Derrick Rose. Here we go. Here we go. The Kings are part of that, that trade with the Nets where that's right. They got Kessler Edwards. They got Kessler Edwards from the Nets. That's right. I like that trade. Kessler Edwards is a, is a live body um, to go along with the other live bodies they have. I mean, like I said, Rashawn Holmes is still in Sacramento. People forgot about him. That kid, that kid was, was really, really good. He was fighting for rookie of the year. He was a rookie. Rashawn Holmes is a really good player. Now you bring in Kessler Edwards. You got you another big body. I like what Sacramento's doing. And don't sleep on them picking up one of these veterans. Maybe a Pat, you know what? Maybe a Patrick Beverly goes to Sacramento, you know, to give them a little veteran fire, a little presence, a little agitation, somebody who's going to go in and get in people's faces. Because that team is really, I don't think they're as tough as they, as they could be. Um, I think if the Knicks get rid of Derrick Rose, which is a possibility if the Knicks uh, buy him out, I could see Derrick Rose going to Sacramento and being a nice fit there again, a, a, a veteran guy. Well, They don't have any winning players in Sacramento. They don't have anybody who's won anything. So I think what, what they're going to do is they're going to look at guys who have won before. And this bio marks not a lot of – when I say win, obviously not a lot of guys that with championship stuff, maybe Danny Green – but there's some guys who have won. There's some guys who have been on teams that have gone made deep playoff runs. I think they pick up one or two of those guys just to bring in, to, to tell these young guys, listen, man, it's about to get ex- exponentially harder. But I like what they did with, with Kessler Edwards. They didn't really upset the apple cart. We keep talking about the Western Conference. The Western Conference is a monster. And what was it, what, two months ago, everything was about the Eastern Conference? Now the Western Conference is a monster. Serious? Thoughts, sir? Oh, yeah, Serious Serious gone. No, he's gone. Okay, he's cool. gone. That's cool. Yeah. All right, so you got uh, Mr. Knight and myself for another 40 minutes here tonight. Uh, chopping up with you. Lots of basketball talk. We may hit on to, to some other things um, at the end of this. But I, uh, you know, we talked about Jay Crowder earlier, and, and I think you're right. In some ways, he is kind of a meh guy. Uh, but, you know, I, I can remember him hitting some big three-point shots, you know, being able to knock down shots uh, in some big games. And so, you know, he's a guy that, you you know, you try to, you try to cheat over on Giannis or you try to, uh, you know, with, with the other scoring options that they have, he is a guy that can knock down shots. And so I think yeah. – He's not, you know, he's not a, by himself, he's not a guy that really moves the needle. But I think, you know, sort of a 3 and D guy that can kind of play a role and fit in and, you know, uh, help strengthen what you're going to do. Um, I, I think he can yeah. do that. It's, yeah. It's it's funny. I, I, um, I was reading – uh, checking up on different teams and and uh, one of the Louisiana uh, publications that I followed was talking about how uh, you know a lot of the uh, Western Conference 
teams, it, it used an analogy, said a lot of the Western Conference homes underwent a lot of renovation when the Pelicans, all they really did was change a light bulb. Uh, they traded uh, Devontae and Graham, who was, supposed to be a th- who was supposed to be a 3 and D guy for them, uh, but has had really seasoned those, lost his starting spot when they traded for C.J. McCollum. And his shooting percentages and such have been much lower than expected. So they trade him to the Spurs uh, and I think a pick for Josh Richardson, uh, who is, you know, 15 points a game or whatever. Uh, but as a guy to sort of try to bolster their bench a little bit, you know, it's it's sort of a lateral move, maybe makes him a little bit better uh, as far as a guy that can play some defense and knock down some shots. But not very much movement uh, from the Pelicans at all. Uh, and then, yeah. you know, the, the other the other team that we got to talk about in the West, we've talked about Golden State, the Lakers, the Clippers. We just talked about Sacramento. Uh, we've talked about Phoenix and Denver. We haven't really talked much about Memphis. Uh, mm. So mm. I, I, have a, I have a couple of uh, questions for you that I want to set up and, and hear your thoughts on. Um, and then I'll give an opinion too. Uh, but my first one has nothing to do with the trade deadline. Uh, what do you think of all this stuff with uh, Ja Morant and his entourage and all this with the Pacers people and all that uh, that came out in stories this week? I think that Ja is starting to believe the press clippings. This is a kid who went to Murray State. Right? Um, this is a kid who played four years. Right? Um, he wasn't highly recruited. This is a young man, I keep saying kid. Well, he's a kid to me, who up until this season had always kept his nose clean. Outside of a tweet about the police, which I don't have a problem with what he said, other people can, I don't, um, has never been in trouble. Now, I understand that they're starting to smell themselves, but he need, his father needs to stop being a sideshow and start being a father. I don't want to keep seeing uh, John Moran's dad arguing with Shannon Sharp or, or dancing up and down the sidelines with calling the town's father. I need you to go grab your son and smack him, up and, and smack him in the back of the head right now because that's some nonsense going on. Right, I know you're in Memphis, and listen, I was stationed in Millington, which is right outside of Memphis. I was stationed there. I know how they get down there. That thug life looks real good. John Moran ain't no thug. He ain't built like that. But nope. he's got people around him now who want to live that life. He needs to cut it out. He needs to cut it out right now because he's, at a, he's honestly at a tipping point for his reputation. He's at a tipping point. Because now that they're banning people from, first of all, when the hell did you get an entourage? When the hell did you get an entourage? Dude, you went to Murray State. Okay? You play in Memphis. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Suddenly you got an entourage? Really? And y'all pretending that y'all got, y'all got, that y'all red dotting people? That's how you getting down there? No, he, he needs to grow up. He needs to grow up and he needs to get it together because... This listen, this can go real easily the other way. Um, ask J.R. Ryder, ask Gilbert Arenas, 
okay? There's a whole lot of guys suddenly start wanting to live that thug life. Ask them, ask them how that worked out for them, all right? Oh, and by the way, J.R. Ryder was an actual thug. Ask him how that worked out for him in the NBA. He needs to. He needs to cut it out. He needs to cut it out now. Lots of you know. I, I really, you know, Shannon Sharp had sound advice for him and basically said the same thing. Like, yo, bro, you played basketball to get away from this. Is your ticket out of this type of lifestyle? And you ain't a thug, bro. Like. <laughs> Stop trying to act like it. Um, this is not you. And the thing to it is, is this Memphis team has a lot of good pieces and a lot of talent. And it might have only gone six games, but in a lot of ways, Memphis gave Golden State all they really wanted uh, mm-hmm. last year in the playoffs. Uh, but now... And, and even this year, you know, they, they're sitting second in the West not very long ago, and that's, that's a loaded Western Conference, as we've talked about. But this team has, has fallen off a little bit. They started to struggle a little bit lately. You know, John Moran getting short with people yesterday when they asked him about it, him denying anything, saying nothing was proven. And then when they tried to ask him something about it, he said, I told you that's all I had to say about it. Um, but this Memphis team – has got to realize, listen, you got a lot of talent. You you really kind of, you're right. Memphis, Millington, that's that's really very much kind of a blue-collar uh, type of city. And the team sort of, in, even the fan base sort of embraced that. And in Memphis, you're the only thing going. There's no other professional sport in Memphis. It's a lot like Sacramento. It's a lot like Oklahoma City. It's a lot like... Uh, right now, still San Antonio. You know, it, basketball is the only thing going there. Portland, uh, Salt Lake City. A lot of these cities where basketball is, is king, you know, when it comes to professional sports uh, in that city. And so this team, very, very workmanlike, kind of just, uh, you know, they, they let their play do the talking. They played with, with some chippiness on the floor. They played like they had something to prove, like they had a, a chip on their shoulder, and like you ain't gonna, you know, underestimate us just because we're Memphis. We're gonna show you we got something for you. And yeah, but that is a lot of what gave Memphis that edge, right? And if mm-hmm. you start acting like you've arrived, but you stop doing what you did to get there then it can fall off really quick. And this is a special group of guys uh, who have the ability. There's still a lot of young guys on this team, a lot of talent that could still continue to grow together. But to your point, this is at a tipping point right now, and this could go very, very wrong very, very quickly if it's not handled the right way. Yeah, and that's that's the problem is you got a head coach who obviously – not putting his foot down. And this is the problem with when young teams get there too quickly. Tell me, the, tell me the veteran on this team who's actually won something. There isn't one. Tell me the veteran on this team who's been through all of the wars, the guy who was a star, became an all-star, then 
became a sixth man, then became a fringe player, and now is just kind of, you know, there for, for his veteran leadership. Where's that guy? They don't have one. Where's the guy who's won something on that roster? They don't have one. Where's the coach on that staff who's won something? They don't have one. And I've always said this, and I'll always say it. I don't believe in coaches who don't believe in bringing in veterans who have won to be a voice in that locker room. That is what Memphis needs right now. They need a veteran voice in that locker room to tell them, yo, sit down and shut up because you ain't did nothing. You made an all-star team. Big whoop. Oh, you won a first-round series. And... You know, you push the team ain't the done nothing. Round, but you didn't get past him. You know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah, it, it, it's they don't understand what it is to be the hunted. See, they're the hunted now, and now they act. They don't understand mm-hmm. how to how to handle it, so they're reverting back to oh, nah. See, now you have a level of responsibility. Now people expect you to do things. Now you're going to get asked questions. Now people are going to pay attention to everything you do. See, two years ago, nobody cared when Ja was calling his braids and Dylan Brooks was kicking people and nobody cared because it was Memphis. It was cute, right? Now it's not cute. Now it's you're supposed to be challenging for a championship. Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you winning more? What's going on here? Hey, you know, we saw you, you, you was uh, – you was at, at at Walgreens at eleven o'clock, and you had and, and, and you got a game at, at 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 two. How come you was out at Walgreens at eleven p.m. last night? They don't understand the pressure that comes with expectations, and I think they did a poor job of getting some veterans on that team. Now, my hope is in this buyout market, they go get a again. I'm gonna keep saying this guy's name, a Derrick Rose, who's well respected in this league, who has been to the highest of heights and the lowest of lows, right? Oh, by the way, Derrick Rose went to college in Memphis. He understands that city better than anybody. He was a rock star in Memphis as a college player. And if you've never been to Memphis, understand there's two things they love in Memphis. That's the Memphis Tigers basketball team and now the Memphis Grizzlies, okay? You are a rock Mm -hmm. star in Memphis when when you play ball there. You can do anything you want, okay? Literally, and, and, and if you happen to be good, and if you happen to be uh-huh. good, even on the football side, if you happen to be good, even on yes. the football side, you look at uh, you look at the running back, D'Angelo Williams, mm-hmm. uh, big time there, and you know, rock star yep. type guy. So, uh, you know, th- that's the thing to me. You, you know, you mentioned Pat Bev and Derrick Rose in Sacramento, um, but that that's one of the things that I was just about to say as you were talking was, to me, the Memphis front office needs to look hard at these buyouts, and they need to bring in a guy who has done enough in this league that he's going to command the respect and the attention of those guys. And a guy that's going to that can get on the page of the coach and whatever kind of system they're trying to run, and that can be a, a, you know a veteran voice and a, and a voice of reason and leadership in that locker room. Uh, because if if they're not careful, this Memphis team who has had you look at them a couple of years ago, and then you look at them last year, 
And, and, you know, I walked away from that Golden State series saying, listen, Memphis is coming, right? Like, mm-hmm. this team, maybe not next year, but the next couple of years, as young as Jai is and as young as some of these guys are, um, this this Memphis team has a chance to really be a legitimate contender for a long time uh, in this Western Conference. And 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 I think that's still the case, but but you 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 got to do some house cleaning, uh, and and I'm not talking about necessarily kicking and like booting people out of there or whatever, but you you got to at least uh, you got to at least clean up your house and get people on the same page, because otherwise it's going to be a tragic story as far as uh, wasted talent. Yep. <laughs> Listen, uh, all this stuff we're talking about with Josh, you know, you want to be hard, you want to be all this and that and this. Be hard by staying on the court. Be hard by keeping yourself healthy and uh, and not missing a chunk of time when your team needs you. Learn when you can dial it back because Ja is continuing to improve as a player, and he's a dynamic player this week. But, listen, you, you want to uh, go into that kind of lifestyle and you want to go down those roads. Like, listen, there are guys that have been every bit as talented as you uh, that have seen it all go up in flames. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, in, in, in the Derrick Rose thing, guess who Who does Ja get compared to when it comes to at the athleticism and all of that? Derrick Rose. Same guy. Mm-hmm. That's who he gets compared You know, it's – and like I said, this dude with the Murray State, man. Dude, you ain't never been no thug. All right? Ever. Okay? <laughs> ever. So miss me with all of that. But the the they, this – you know what they they where they are right now, and I hated that term they used for them. Remember that Portland Trailblazers team that had Rasheed Wallace and um, what was it, Darius Miles and Zach Randolph and all those guys, and they were on the come, and they all started smelling themselves, and everybody started getting in trouble, and everybody wanted to live thug life. That team after that season where they were kind of like, oh, they're on the come, that team was never any good. That team was never any good. And they wound up breaking it up a couple of years later. Memphis, right now, they're on the same trajectory. They're on the same trajectory. This is not like the grit and grind Grizzlies with Zach Randolph and Mark Gasol. Those guys were veteran guys, and they had a ceiling. This team doesn't have a ceiling right now. But, like you said, man, they can mess this thing up real quick. Taylor Jenkins, better he better get his house in order. Because if you don't get the house in order, that ceiling's going to come crashing down on you, and it's going to be way mm-hmm. lower than it than it ever should have been. This, this, this is a collection, of, and, and that's the thing to me. This is a collection of talent that honestly has the potential, if it's tweaked right and uh, if you continue to build with it, this is a a collection of talent that has the potential to bring Memphis its first ever championship in professional sports. Mm-hmm. Or at least his first finals appearance. At least that. Yeah, and I hope that, and, and I know he was short with reporters yesterday, but I really hope that some of this will serve as a wake-up call for because that is a player that, like, man, he is super exciting to watch play. 
you know, I dare, I dare anybody to tune in to a, a Memphis game when Josh playing well and tell me that they're not entertained watching the man do his thing on the basketball court. Yep. Uh, yep. And, and, you know, and you know what? He's got a second overall pick and has, has exceeded anything that anybody really expected of him. Right. Right. And he's also, you know what, he's, he's affecting his financial future. Listen, Ja is, he is loquacious. He's a good-looking young man. Um, he presents well. All kind of commercial opportunities out there for you. Okay, this is a way for you to, I mean, yeah, you got money from the NBA. This is a way for you to secure all kinds of bags, right? Ain't nobody touching you when you run around talking about that thug life, all right? Because, yeah, okay, the Memphis Grizzlies go, hey, okay, give me $200 right. million. Dollars. You know, you, you can make another $300 million just in commercials. That's $500 million. It's, a, it's a difference between rich and generational wealth. Listen. Okay, your kids, 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 kids ain't gonna have to ain't gonna, ain't gonna lack for nothing if you play this right. But like I said, I'm sick of seeing his dad iced out on the sideline acting the fool. I'm sick of that. All right, this ain't about you, bruh. This is your son's time. This is your son's time. Be a father. Stop being his buddy, and get this thing together because. Listen, John Morant can really screw this up for himself. Because here's the thing. What if there what what if somebody had, had a gun on him? Maybe they were using the laser, but what if somebody had, had a weapon? You know what that would have done in his career? You brought a gun Listen. to the game and you were threatening people? Yeah, this, Listen, I'm, I'm you know Let's go back, you know, we go back 20-some-odd years, and you look, and Ray Lewis almost saw his whole career go down the tube mm-hmm. behind him, behind a murder trial or whatever he had to be part of and witness that and whatever else. Now, you know, to Ray Lewis's credit, uh, once that whole thing got cleared up, you never heard another peep negative about Ray Lewis again. Right? That's right. Like, um, he did his thing. He kept his nose, you know, he kept his nose clean. Um, and, and all he did was play like the best linebacker in football for, you know, a decade and a half. Mm-hmm. And yep. won one early in his career and won one on his way out. But, but you know, and got two rings out of it, right? And so, different sport, but similar type situation. Uh, you know, people aren't going to market this anymore. You know, this, this, it's not cool. Um, and, and ask Allen Iverson. Like, listen, Allen yeah. Iverson, generational talent. Remember the uh, – I'm sure you remember to this day in his rookie year, when he hit Jordan twice in the same game with a crossover and then they broke his ankles. And like, it was all over sports center. I celebrating it. Big deal. Um, but his most famous media clip was the whole thing about practice. We talk about practice, not the game practice, mm-hmm. but uh, Allen Iverson didn't get marketed. He yep. didn't do a ton of commercials and that kind of thing for a long time. 
Allen Iverson was no. one of the most dynamic. Allen Iverson was one of the most dynamic and special talents in the NBA. Listen, he took a team to the NBA Finals with Eric Snow mm. as his running mate in the backcourt. Mm-hmm. He had an, a, a very, very average group of guys that you could have taken almost anybody else in the league, superstar, name your guy, and put them on that Philly team and place it out, and I was in no way they go to the finals. I'm just saying. No. Unreal. No. Uh, what what he was able to do. And but Allen Iverson, because of that, that image and because of everything, uh, he you know, thank thanks to to John Thompson, God rest his soul. And man, that that guy used to be so much fun to listen to on T N T broadcast. Uh his voice was distinct but always dropped knowledge. But mm-hmm. Thanks to John Thompson, he got he helped Allen Iverson get out and and make a way into the league. Brought him into Georgetown, kind of helped him straighten himself out. He got into the league, a very high draft pick, and was a very good player for a long, long time in the National Basketball Association. But if if you look at if, Iver, if Reebok hadn't constructed his contract the way they did, Allen Iverson would be broke today. Yep. He sure would, but Allen Iverson, because of his, because of his persona and because of an image, rightly or wrongly, Allen Iverson did not nearly cash in as much as he could have or should have, uh, right? Based on how talented he was and what kind of a dynamic star and presence he was uh, in this mm-hmm. league, and and Ja. You, you're coming close to treading down that same that same path, and and maybe even it getting much worse. So, I, yep. you know, I, I hope a guy like AI or somebody, even apart from them bringing in somebody, hopefully to to help this team in general. But I hope a guy like that, who cares about the next generation of guys, uh, might reach out to to a guy like Ja. And and see if he's willing to at least listen and sit him down and be like, yo, yeah, yeah. You know what? Some... Uh, uh... Go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say, I'll give you the old school song. Twenty-three years. Exactly. I'll give you the old school song from uh, back in the nineties and say, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself, right? Like, yeah. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. But that uh, whole team nine, two, nine, nine, four, and that's the problem. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. The whole team. And and I understand uh nine two nine four seven seven two seven five nine. We got about sixteen minutes or so with you. Uh Memphis is kind of that sort of city nowadays, you know, like uh there's a lot of crime, a lot of gang activity, a lot of other things going on. Um in Memphis. You look per capita you know, uh, violent crimes, murder rates, that kind of stuff. It's, it, it's hot in Memphis. Um, yeah, it is. It, um, and so don't get sucked into that. Like, you know, remember, man, like, like Shannon Sharp said, this was your ticket out, you know, of that kind of lifestyle. So mm-hmm. don't, uh, don't let that go by. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess we should talk about this game, right? 
Yeah, uh, but real quick, uh, ESPN alert, Joe Thomas, Darrell Revis, Rondé Barber, and DeMarcus Ware are among nine guys selected uh, to this year's class of the NFL Hall of Fame. Oh, my God. Joe Thomas. You know what? I'm done with the Hall of Fame. They'll just put anybody in at this point. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Now, put now Revis, in. though, man. Listen, they used, they used to call that Revis Island, bro. Like, yes. Darrell Revis is a stud for uh, a long out time. Out of the names you mentioned? Yeah, out of, out of the names you mentioned, he's the only one I would I would have put in. DeMarcus Ware? Seriously? DeMarcus Ware. DeMarcus Ware. Uh, okay. A lot of talent came out of Troy. He had uh, – I, I remember the year that the Saints went to the Super Bowl. Um, and, and this is how – this is uh, a, a perfect example of uh, of what you're talking about. Uh, but the year that the Saints went to the Super Bowl, I think they started that season 12-0, and 13-0, something like that. Uh, they lost to Dallas. That was their first loss of the season. DeMarcus Ware went crazy in that game. But, the, you know, I, I understand he had some talent, was a good outside linebacker, edge rusher type guy. But when the game that pops in my head the most, where you made the most impact was a regular season game, you know what I mean? Um, Rondé Barber was just kind of right place, right time, on a very good defense, and they were finally after – after that clown Gruden came over there, they were finally able to win um, a Super Bowl. And I don't know if they win, to be quite honest with you. I'm not sure if they, they win if they're playing the Titans in that Super Bowl. I think the familiarity that uh, – I think the familiarity with what uh, the Raiders were going to do really, really benefited them. They won with Brad Johnson as a quarterback. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. Warren Sapp, dominant. Booger McFarland, very underrated next to Warren Sapp. Derek Brooks, uh, really, really good linebacker. That team was talented at all levels. Um, but Rondé Barber as a Hall of Famer? Uh, I kind of question that. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, miss me, miss me with that. Miss me with all of that. DeMarcus Ware, his best seasons always came when he was looking for a contract. So right. miss me with that. The only time, the only time you have a good year is when you need a contract. Miss me with that. And Joe Thomas, Joe Thomas was a very good offensive lineman. Dude, you were on a team that went zero and sixteen. <laughs> that should automatically disqualify you from the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I, I, when I think about Joe Thomas, like I don't put him in the same category as like. Anthony Munoz, I don't put him. In, I don't put him in the same category as uh, Lomas Brown and you know, yeah, Mike Munchak, Maselli, you know, and any and of the Matthews, the seventeen thousand Matthews who played offensive line in the NBA, right? I mean NFL. Um, oh, now the uh, the the other notification that just came across the board, uh, no surprise to me. At all, Pat Mahomes is just named MVP um, of the NFL yeah. this year, I think. Uh, so, big deal for him. 
I, I want to say not not many uh, not many not, not a whole lot of MVPs turn around starting uh, Super Bowls or a chance to be Super Bowl MVP two multiple times. So uh, I this is well deserved for Pat Mahomes. Um, I expect him to be there and do that. Taylor, I'm gonna before I ask you if you want to make a prediction because I don't know if you're gonna be on with me in time or so on uh, on Sunday morning, but. I, I want to hear your thoughts real quick. Um, I brought this up to Bill and just gave him a chance to speak on it, and I sort of led the show off with this on Tuesday night. It was 35 years ago that Doug Williams became the first black quarterback to lead a team to a Super Bowl championship. It's a shame that it has taken so long for this to be the case, but now for the first time in history, we have two black quarterbacks uh, starting in the Super Bowl. Your thoughts on this as far as, like, what it means in history or even to you or just your thoughts in general um, on that? It should mean a lot more to me than it does. Um, I had, And if you remember when we did our beginning preview shows this year, I said it was going to be two black quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. Now, I thought it was going to be Lamar and um, Jameis, actually, is what I said. But we got uh, Patrick and Jalen. It's not being talked about enough. It's not being mentioned enough. Um, and that's why I think it's what is what's bothersome to me about the thing is they're not talking about this at all. They're trying to act like, oh, it's no big deal. This is a huge deal. It's a huge deal because Jalen Hurts keeps getting criticized. Well, yeah, but he don't have an arm like this guy. He don't do this. He don't do this. All you want to keep telling me is what he doesn't do. You keep telling me that, that mobile quarterbacks can't win a Super Bowl Well, Patrick Mahomes is, about to, is, is on the verge of winning his second or Jalen Hurts is going to win his first. Okay? We had to listen to the nonsense going into the AFC Championship, how Patrick Mahomes was a great player, but Joe Burrow was a great quarterback. For most of the year, we had to hear how Jalen Hurts, oh, it was the system. It wasn't Jalen. It was the system. And that people keep, they want to keep bringing up how he got benched in the national championship by Nick Saban, who to this day, I believe Jalen Hurts, they could have won that game with Jalen Hurts. Um, I don't like that Saban did that. I, I think it was, a, it, was, it was a BS move. But they don't want to talk about when he went to Oklahoma and was in a Heisman Trophy candidate. They don't mention that part. This should be talked about way more. This should be talked about because of the fact that they love talking about when there's just a mom in the picture, oh, they come from this broken home and there was no dad and blah, 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 blah. Because in order to be a black and successful athlete, black successful athlete, apparently you have to come from a broken home. But they don't want to talk about the fact that both of these young men, fathers were in their lives and, you know, doing things. Pat Mahomes obviously was a baseball player. Jalen Hurts, his his father was a coach. And Jalen Hurts was white. All we would hear about how he's a coach's son. That's all we would hear about and how smart he is because he's a coach's son and he's smart and he knows the game. He's a coach's son. So a lot of the what should be a celebration of the fact that there's two black quarterbacks in the game for the first time ever has been sucked out of it because of the fact that they don't even want to talk about it, number one, and because they don't have the narratives that they want to use or the tropes, I should say, that they want to use aren't there, they're basically ignoring it. 
But for those of us who remember when when Jim Gilliam, okay, was playing for the Steelers, and they they couldn't wait to get him up out of there. But those enough old enough to remember that. Those are old enough to remember that Doug Williams, they didn't want to give Doug Williams a shot. And then when they finally gave him a shot, he just took him to a Super Bowl, and then they got rid of him the next year. For those of us that are old enough to remember that all they talked about Randall Cunningham was what he couldn't do. This should be a much bigger deal than it is, but that speaks to the level of hypocrisy that the NFL evidences. How they because they don't want to talk about it speaks volumes to me. But this should be a much bigger deal than it is for me. It's something honestly I never thought I'd see in my lifetime. Honestly, never did. And the fact that it's happening now says that you know what to the to the Herndon Hendon Hookers Herndon Hooker Hendon Hooker whatever is the Hooker kid from Tennessee Hendon Hooker you right Hendon Hendon Hooker I keep yeah Hendon Hooker to those guys. You ain't got to be a first-round pick. You don't have to be Josh Allen. You don't have to be Joe Burrow. You can just be you, and that's good enough. I 100% agree with you. And so it, it, it's funny that the, the two things that you mentioned, because at the very beginning of the show, when I asked Barry his thoughts, we, we kind of went in-depth, and I, I told a couple of stories about each of these guys. And the two things that I highlighted um, – I believe Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league, and I don't think it's close right now. Uh, I think that some people have a chance to be maybe in that discussion at some point, but it's not close right now. But the one thing that I said when previewing both of these guys uh, the other night is they are both super smart. You know, Jalen's a a coach's kid who really understands the game. Uh, Mahomes' photographic memory, and the thing that really – uh, hooked Mahomes on football because he was going to get drafted as an outfielder and he could still throw in the, in the high 90s on the mound. But he was going to get drafted as an outfielder. But once he got on the football field and realized all the different nuances of the game and all the different things you had to manage, he loved it. And uh, he felt like it was it caused him to use his brain more and he loved the intricacies of the game. And that's what led him to really becoming passionate about football when you talk about a guy that did not really start picking up football until his freshman year of high school, so you know, going out for uh, the starting quarterback position. So um, I love it. I love that these two guys are here, and I love that they kind of um, – are they both athletic? Yeah, they're athletic. Jalen Hurts makes plays with his legs that people didn't think he was going to be able to make in the games. Uh, Pat Mahomes – is very mobile, not necessarily a fast runner, but he's mobile and can make throws that other people can't make. But as athletic as these guys are, to me, what makes them who they are and what are the reasons why they're even in this position in the first place is because of how damn smart they are. Um, So that's something that really jumps out to me. Chandler, we got about five minutes left. I'm not sure how much you are going to, uh, like I said, not sure if you're going to be with us on uh, Sunday morning or not. So uh, do you want to predict 
do you want to predict how you uh, see this game shaking out, or do you want to um, any other props or any other any other pieces to the Super Bowl game that you want to throw out there? Chandler, if you're talking, you're on mute. Oh yeah, yeah. I said I'll uh, just give a prediction and my close out and. And we really need to figure out if you related to Paul Harvey, because I'm going to keep saying it until you tell me you're not. Um, (laughs) I think Kansas City wins. I think that the narrative that Pat Mahomes has to be Superman in order for him to win is being extremely overblown. And I don't like it because then what it's doing is setting up Jalen Hurts to be considered the the scapegoat if they don't win. But I think Kansas City wins. Thanks for coming out tonight. Appreciate you. Thanks, Sirius, for coming. Um, I think y'all, y'all sponsored with the sponsors, what, phi.com or .co, uh, Philly Apparel and all that, all that stuff. I'm not a Philly guy, so I'll let Mike do that. But uh, as always, thanks, everybody, for listening. And now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> you know, if I, was, uh, if I was related to Paul Harvey, I think that uh, – I'd probably live in a much nicer house <laughs> than I do right now. Uh, but, you know, also, if I had a dollar or even a quarter for every time somebody asked me growing up if I was related to him, because, you know, hey, in the 80s and 90s, like, Paul Harvey was a big thing. Man. He was always, you know, that noontime thing. I remember one time we had a fifth-grade teacher that used to let us listen to him. But, yeah, man, uh, shout-out to all the chefs, man, Uh First and foremost, the big homie, the the head honcho, the head chef, T.P. Timeless. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here with you guys, man. He's the one that brought me on board. Uh, Sirius, once again, thanks for stopping by. Villain, he and I did the NFL Free Flow on Tuesday nights. If you guys want to go back and check that out, you can always listen to any of our archive shows to the podcast through your smart speakers. PHIapparel.co. Use the promo code CHEFS at checkout. You will get uh, 15% off. You know, you got a Super Bowl team, a lot of excitement around the Phillies and everything going on there. And, man, listen, Taylor, I look forward to this every week, man. Um, Roundtable gumbo and what we can uh, throw out there. So it's always a pleasure and a privilege, my friend, to share the share the airways with you and talk sports. And, hey, how fun was it to be able to talk basketball tonight, man. But, uh, listen, check out the barbershop on Clubhouse. Check out everything that we're uh, we're doing there sportscitychefs.com. Check out the website and everything going on there. Uh, and as you say in Louisiana, man, laissez les bon temps And then to quote the big homie TP, man, <clears throat> tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chefs again. And if they don't know, now they know. Sports city, sports city, chefs, chefs. Sports city, sports city, chefs, chefs. Sports city, sports city, chefs, chefs. Sports city, sports city, Kaboom, Sports City Chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on your spoon, they well in tune, blown like a flower in June, Superman vs. MF Doom, the clouds loom, to tell a friend it's the